Who wants to be a superhero? Ryan Keen's for dead. And as the superhero known as Spearhawk, he has, by all accounts, led a charmed life. Ryan has become one of the most preeminent heroes of the Cape's Corps, earning him the admiration of friend and foe alike. However, what the public doesn't know is that Ryan, like every other superhero and villain, or heel as they're known in the business, all work for the same secret organization known only as the Board. Secretly, the Board pits heroes and heels against each other in public bouts known as capers, in which spectacle and popularity rules the day. With a nearly flawless win record, Ryan has become one of the most successful and popular heroes to date. However, the traumatic events of Hopper Station left him questioning everything he knows about his life as a fake hero. Now looking for answers to questions he never thought to ask before, Ryan finds himself in uncertain territory as he sets to find his missing friends Clan and Waterfall, the latter of which is taken into custody against their will by the Board of Inquiry. To make matters more complicated, Ryan also has to unpack his romantic feelings to his close friend Sleek, whose recent act of violence left them both shocked and appalled. Ryan knows that his new course of action is perilous. He has to be careful not to draw the attention of the Board with his questions. For this is a dangerous world for those who don't play their part in this theater of heels. Support me on Patreon! Previously on Theater of Heels, the city of Majestic is in shock. Beloved superhero and member of the Capes Corps, Sprinter, was shot when he saved a bystander from an armed gunman. To everyone's surprise, Weatherman and Princess Crash, who were also on the scene, rushed Sprinter to the hospital where they left him in the care of the emergency room staff. Hours have passed since this brutal incident, and the city collectively holds its breath as they await the hero's fate. And now, I present you with our current episode. Theater of Heels, Volume 2, Heroes, Heist, and Heels, Part 7, Shadowed Fate, Chapter 33, Waiting for the Finish Line. As of this recording, we are just as much in the dark as you about Sprinter's condition. <laughs> On the screen, Princess Crash stifled a sob. She took a deep breath and looked at the camera. Tears pulled at the bottom of her sealed goggles. She exhaled slowly. We're sorry for the violent content we shared today. We just... Princess Crash then burst into tears. She covered her face as she gave in to her crying. Weatherman, who stood behind her in his human form, squeezed her shoulder gently before stepping forward. His expression was a grim mask of sorrow. His voice croaked. What Princess Crash and I are trying to say is that witnessing Sprinter's selfless bravery firsthand has deeply affected us. I cannot tell you how much it meant to me to see him heroically save that young woman today. At this point, Weatherman paused as he visibly tried to compose himself. Even though we, by all intents and purposes, are the villains, we were moved by Sprinter's valiant resolve. Princess Crash and I did everything possible to get him the help he needed. We have nothing but admiration for Sprinter, and our hearts go out to him and his loved ones during this dark time. To punctuate his words, Princess Crash sobbed again and fiercely hugged Weatherman. At this point, the image froze before the screen changed to the Hero Report's anchor set. Victor Tango sat in his usual spot with a perky redhead seated next to him. 
Between them, the still image of Princess Crash hugging Weatherman hung in the air. Victor's plastique expression was grim as he stared at the camera and said, Princess Crash and Weatherman posted this video only a few hours ago. Although it appears as if the villains were not in league with the gunmen, who also tried to rob the bank, the authorities still haven't ruled out the possibility of an elaborate setup. Police have taken all the gunmen into custody, including the one who shot Sprinter. The image flashed to a muscular policeman ushering an unmasked handcuffed man with a black eye into a holding van. That's right, Victor, said the red-headed co-anchor with a high-pitched voice. Beneath her, a digital nameplate read, Mandy Shine. Mandy continued where Victor left off. As of this time, the officials at DeFalco Community General have stated that Sprinter's condition is considered critical. Mandy nodded. The community has come together with an impromptu candlelight vigil outside DeFalco Community General to show their support for the critically injured Sprinter. The image changed to a crowd of people standing outside the hospital. The camera angle shifted to a mother hugging her sobbing daughter. A lone man's face was thrown into sharp relief as he stared directly into the light of his candle. The screen showed a large group huddled together in cosplay dressed as Sprinter. Many people were holding up signs that read things like, We love you, Sprinter. Please keep running, Sprinter. Wishing you a fast recovery. The Capes Corps, the superhero team in which Sprinter is a member, has yet to release a statement. The image returned to the pair of anchors. Mr. Tango said, no doubt, they're anxiously awaiting the news of their teammate's condition. You don't know the half of it. The TV in the corner of the waiting room clicked off. Brian lowered the remote and looked down at his little sister nestled against his side. April's red rimmed eyes stared blankly ahead, while her body shook beneath the plain white blanket draped over her shoulders. Are you cold? She shook her head. But you're shivering. April shrugged wordlessly. Are you sure you don't want me to get you another blanket? April shook her head once as she clutched his arm and snuggled tighter into his side. Okay, he said quietly. He reached down and wrapped the blanket around April before he picked her up and placed her on his lap. April folded it into him like the way she did when she was little. Another shiver rocked her core before a single tear leaped down her face. Ryan reflected on how they found themselves here. Everything had happened so fast. This afternoon, he was waiting in the school's pickup line listening to music when April came bolting out sobbing. She yanked open the passenger door and shoved her phone in his face, crying, Uncle Harry's been shot! It took his frazzled mind a few moments to process the image before him on the tiny screen. The headline read in blaring letters, Cape Score member Sprinter shot during bank robbery gone wrong. The minutes that followed were nothing but a blur punctuated by incessant honking of horns. Ryan didn't remember making the decision. He just started driving to DeFalco General, breaking about a hundred laws in the process. If his sister weren't with him, Ryan would have taken to the rooftops, hurling his spear and teleporting there in no time. When they arrived, the hospital's security staff, evidently convinced that he was either a nut job, a fanboy, or a reporter, tried to stop them from entering. However, a quick flash of his mask and a small demonstration of his strength, lifting a 300-pound guard with one hand, quickly proved his identity. This revelation might have caused him a massive headache later, but it was worth it. He and his sister, who had the good sense to cover her head with a blanket, were ushered into a private waiting room in the corner of the building's seventh floor.
Ryan vaguely thought that the view was amazing, but neither had it in them to enjoy it. Now that they reached their destination, they just sat in the middle of the room, feeling lost. They periodically checked the news on the TV in the waiting room's corner. They both watched in horrified fascination as the hero report showed Princess Crash's video a few hours back. Since an initial screening, the hero report showed clips of Princess Crash's footage here and there to pepper their coverage. After the first watch, April burst into tears. Ryan knew how she felt. All he wanted to do was curl up in a ball and do the same. Instead, he focused on comforting his little sister, to no avail. It had been hours since their arrival, but there still wasn't any word about Harry's condition from the surgical team. Ryan gently squeezed his sister's shoulders before saying, I want to try to get a hold of Mr. Fox again, okay? She nodded. When he tried to put her in the seat next to him and get up, her little hand shot out and wrapped around his middle. April's small voice quailed against his side. Don't go. Ryan froze for a minute before settling back down. Okay. He pulled out his phone and dialed the number. After a few rings, it went straight to the voicemail. Hey, this is John. I'm either out fishing or gallivanting. So you know what to do. I'll call you in a bit. After the beep, Ryan said, Mr. Fox, it's Ryan again. I don't know if you saw the news or anything, but... Um, he sighed heavily. Please give me a call. Ryan lowered the phone and stared at his clock. He wondered irritably, Why won't they tell us anything? Then he answered himself just as irritably, Because they're too busy trying to save your best friend's life. He wanted to hammer his thigh, but stopped, glancing at April. She continued to stare listlessly out the window, trembling. Ryan squeezed his sister's shoulders again. She absolutely reached up and gripped his fingers tight in return. April looked up at him with tears glistening in her eyes. It's not going to be like mom and dad, is it? Ryan blinked. What? Is, is Uncle Harry going to be okay? The news and Princess Crash said he was really hurt. He's not going to? <laughs> Unable to bring herself to finish the question, she burst into tears. Ryan stared down at her for a heartbeat before his mouth answered for him. No, Harry's going to be fine. They have the best doctors working on him right now to make sure he will be okay. Please be right, he thought frantically. Please don't make me a liar. Sensing his inner doubts, Emperor asked, Are you sure? Ryan doubled down by nodding. Yeah. Then why is it taking them so long to fix him? Ryan stared at his little sister as his mind struggled to grasp an appropriate answer. The door of the waiting room opened, sparing him in that moment. April hopped off his lap and spun around. Is it the doctors? Ron stood up and faced the door right as it blocks and men's form ducked under the frame. He was followed by sleep, with the arm over a gray-faced John Fox. Ryan rushed forward. Block! Sleek! Mr. Fox! Mr. Fox blinked up at him. His voice cracked. Ryan? Yes, sir, it's me. Mr. Fox's mouth worked wordlessly for a moment before the words found his lips. My boy, did, did you hear what happened to my boy? I did, Ryan said gently. 
I came here the moment I heard. Ryan glanced up at sleep. She smiled gently at him. Once I heard what happened to Spencer, I went straight to Mr. Fox's house and fetched him. A pang of guilt stabbed Ryan in the chest. Slick and Harry didn't even get along. However, when she heard about Harry's dilemma, she knew exactly what must be done. Ryan, who was too lost in his own fear and grief, had rushed straight to the hospital. To his credit, he had tried to call Mr. Fox repeatedly to no avail. If he was thinking, he should have gone directly to Mr. Fox's home and picked him up himself. Mr. Fox, who had aged so much in the last few hours, looked at Sleep and said, Thank you. Sleek nodded and stepped back to let Ryan take his arm. Have a seat here, Mr. Fox. As he guided the older man to a chair, April burst into tears and ran towards Sleek. Oh, Naomi! Sleek scooped her up in one motion and hugged her tight. April, unceremoniously, started to sob on her shoulder. Like a grim-faced pillar, Block watched the interactions around him scowling. His voice crumbled out of his throat like a rock slide. Have you heard any word on Sprinter's condition? Ryan shook his head. Nothing. They told me that they rushed Sprinter to surgery almost immediately after... He glanced at Sleek. After he arrived. Sleek's mouth tightened, but she didn't say anything as she continued to pat April's back gently. The situation was tense enough without bringing Princess Crash's name into the mix. Ryan continued. They've been in the operating room since. Mr. Fox moaned. My boy. Ryan sat next to the older man, feeling quite helpless. He awkwardly placed a hand on Mr. Fox's shoulder and said, I'm so very sorry. Mr. Fox looked at him with sullen eyes, clasping his hand on his shoulder. You have nothing to apologize for. You did nothing but be a good friend to my Harry. Ryan shook his head. I should have come and got you as soon as I heard. I just... Mr. Fox cut him off. You just did the same thing that I did. You rushed immediately to my boy's side. Young man, this day is already too full of too much worry to add such trivial things to the scales. Your other friend Naomi came to my aid, to which I am grateful. Mr. Foss looked up at the ceiling. God, I hate this place. He shook his head. I, we, lost Harry's mother almost a decade ago here. Did you know that? Ryan nodded numbly. It did. She had cancer, right? Yes. Colon cancer. There were a lot of terms in which Harry knew, but to me... He sighed heavily. All I knew is that my Susan was jogging her usual jaunt one day. Then three weeks later, she was riddled with the stuff. And bedridden. Another sob burst from his lips. Ryan threw an arm over him. But Mr. Fox shrugged it off. No, it must stay strong for Harry. Stay strong like my Susan. He wiped his eyes furiously and stared at Ryan. Did you know my Susan didn't cry a single tear during her entire treatment? She was entitled to those tears. The Almighty knows that what she went through was certainly painful enough for any ten people. 
but she wouldn't do it. She wanted to stay strong for me, for Harry. And she was. Right up to the day she breathed her last. He rubbed his eyes again before he fished out his wallet. He opened it to an aged picture of a much younger Harry laughing arm in arm with a beautiful middle-aged woman who was obviously his mother. Mr. Fox showed it to Ryan. Did you know he honors her every chance he can? Ryan cleared his throat. How so? The older man smiled sadly. Ever since he donned those goggles and became the superhero sprinter, he came here every Saturday like clockwork and spent time in the children's ward, specifically in the oncology unit. Ryan nodded. I knew about it. He even let me tag along here and there. He's amazing with the kids. I wish more people got to see him like that. Mr. Fox smiled sadly and shook his head. Harry didn't want to make a big deal of it. He didn't want to pull focus from the kids whose day he was trying to brighten. Mr. Fox's face crumbled. If something happens to my Harry, who will do it then? He immediately started to sob uncontrollably into his hands. Ryan met Slick's eyes. She was still holding and patting a crying April. The two of them glanced at the distraught older man. Ryan looked up at the leader of the Capes Corps. Flock wasn't known for his compassion, but he was the current field leader of the team and one of the few still active original heroes from the team's inception. He had to have faced this kind of intense situation before. He gingerly stood up and approached the massive leader. Um, Locke? What can we do about this? Locke regarded him with cold-like eyes. Do? There's nothing we can do. Ryan felt his knees buckle as a giant man's word struck like a stake through the heart. Darkness swirled around the perimeter of his vision. He felt his balance given to the sweet abyss behind his eyelids. A hand suddenly appeared in the crook of his arm, holding him aloft. The grip was firm, yet gentle. With the warmth to his touch that contradicted its cool surface, the darkness in his vision evaporated as he glanced behind him. Sleek, still holding his crying sister, smiled at him gently. I'm here for you. He smiled back at her sadly. But before he could respond, an eerie yet familiar stillness settled in the air. Actually, there is something you can do, said a new voice in his head. Ryan realized that April and Mr. Fox were frozen in place. Mr. Fox was midway through fishing a handkerchief out of his pocket. April went rigid in Sleek's arms, no longer crying. The little girl's eyes were far away and unseen. He looked at Sleek and saw her frowning at something in the corner of the room. He followed her gaze and suddenly a blur-faced man in a business suit appeared in the doorway. We need to talk. Discover what's happening on the next episode of Theater of Heels after these messages. On the next episode of Theater of Heels, Volume 2, Heroes Tyson Heels. As the critically injured sprinter's life hangs in the balance, Ryan and Sleek are confronted by the businessman. The telepath wants to take advantage of the sudden media attention to create a live spectacle for all to see. Unfortunately, the businessman cannot think of a better representative 
of Sprinter's interest and his very best friend, Spearhawk. Tune in next week for Theater of Heels, Volume 2, Chapter 34, Unexpected Business. See you then. Thank you for listening to this episode of Theater of Heels. I hope you enjoyed my tale of heroes and villains. If you like this story, perhaps you might like other tales created by me, Christopher Chansey. I also have another podcast titled Stories by the Fire. It's an eclectic range of short stories and longer epics told in a darker ambiance. All these tales and more are available on my website, ChristopherChansey.com, and my YouTube channel. Theater of Heels and my other novels are also available on Amazon.com and other fine book retailers. If you'd like to support my work, please consider joining my Patreon family at patreon.com slash Christopher Chansey. There you get exclusive insights and sneak peeks into my work, projects, artwork, and novels, as well as get access to exclusive merch. As always, thank you for stopping by and listening. May your journey always be a heroic one. Farewell.